Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a five-star review. And we are here with Craig and Petey, and it's always two goalies and me. And today... It's worse. It's three goalies and me, and we are so excited to be joined by In Goal Magazine publisher and co-owner, Kevin Woodley. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. You know, I got a whole beer league team that would disagree on me actually being a goalie, but I'll take it. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, well, Kevin also covers the Vancouver Canucks for NHL.com, yes. who the Coyotes play tomorrow. So we have a lot to get into today. I can't wait to get into the the weeds of you know goalies and the we, we talk about goaltending almost every night on our show with Veggie and Ingi. Um, but looking forward to this one. Yeah, let's let's just start with a question right off the hop. And I know you deal with this on a daily basis. Why are Canucks fans the craziest fans in the NHL? That's been my experience. Um, I don't think they're all. The craziest fans in the NHL. Um, I do think it's more like the social media presence, right? Like it's Canucks Twitter, isn't it? Like probably, yeah. That's that's what I'm familiar with. So then, yeah, like because you know, there's like again to go to the beer league thing. Like in my locker room, there's some normal fans, um, and we have normal discussions without yelling and screaming or death threats or anything of the like that you might experience on Twitter. So I do think there is a um, listen. Like there's a loud group. Um, that's, I, I don't know there if they're in the majority of just the vocal minority on Twitter. Um, but also like, it's been really bad here for a while and <laughs> there's some frustration with the lack of direction and an unwillingness to embrace a longer term vision going on 10 years now. They've tried to do a quick fix ever since the Sedins retired. Um, and even, you know, I understood it when the Sedins were still playing. Like, I understood the idea that you owed it to them to not rebuild at the end of their careers. That as long as they were a part of your group, you thought they could be competitive. So you tried to sort of thread that needle through the mushy metal. But once they were done, like, the insistence on continuing that rather than go, you know, full R rebuild um, has been frustrating for some. And the reality is... <clears throat> They have pieces that you would normally associate with a rebuild, young pieces. Quinn Hughes, Elias Patterson. But in both of those years, they were seasons where they were trying to compete and make the playoffs right. and were so bad at their stated mission statement that they ended up in the draft lottery anyways. And then after you got those pieces, the question I had, and I think that led to a lot of frustration, was if this management group was this bad while trying to win and spending money on what would inevitably become bad contracts, whether it was, you know, Tyler Myers or Louis Erickson. And yeah, you ended up with nice pieces because they were so bad at their jobs and their stated mission goal. Why the hell 
are you keeping them around long enough to make, for example, <laughs> the Oliver Ekman Larson trade? Yeah. And that's where a lot of the frustration comes in. And there is a group on Twitter that can get a little over the top with that. And actually there's competing warring factions. There's another side of Twitter that's like, you know, the, the, what did they call them? The Benning bros, the Jim Benning bros. And they were like, <laughs> like no matter what management did, nobody in the media was smart enough that, um, that sort of contrarian view could possibly be right. And here we are a decade later and, and it, generally was right so um i get it i get the frustration of the fan base i don't think they'll express it in a very um constructive manner at all times and i apologize if any of you three have borne the brunt of that over the years <laughs> um oh kevin yeah, Kim, we're hearing a little static from your mic um just wondering if we might be able to switch that out or maybe call back with a different mic um because yeah we're we were flying to start, and now we've... Yeah, <laughs> so if you don't mind, maybe just either unplugging your mic or trying to hang up and call back, and we'll just dive right back into it. I'm not sure what happened. But that's live TV, right? Yeah. yeah. Not TV oh, internet. Yeah. You know, it was, working, it was working before, right? How about yeah, it, was. it was. It was. Go ahead and just try hanging up and calling back, and we'll we'll dive right back in. Technology is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Thank you. See, it's like when we lost, you know, when Javier Gutierrez lost Wi-Fi yeah. live on the show. Right. It happens. It's it happens. Okay. But what, when we brought up the Vancouver Canucks situation, it's interesting to me because you talk about an ownership and management group that literally has driven this thing into the ground, but then you keep them to make big, important deals and then you make changes. Does that make yeah. sense? Important deals that hamstring you for the future. Yeah, like the Oliver Ekman Larson, and we love Oliver Ekman Larson. We've talked about Oliver as a player, but but that deal handcuffs management for years to yep. come. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's see if we, got, we got a better now? connection with Kevin now. Can you hear? Us? I am. Unplug I unplugged everything. How do I oh, sound? Oh, there sound we a go. Okay, that's good. See, cool. You didn't look any better, Kevin. Trying to be fancy. I also want to compliment you because I I take hell for this all the time on the light beam oh. that is currently like stabbing you in the head. <laughs> I do this all the time when I appear on shows and I'm tripping him. It's, it's okay. It's, it's all, it's all good. I do this all the time and they kill me for this. They give me grief for the light beams, but I kind of like it. Kevin, you have a, hev a heavenly glow. Yeah, that's you. it. Yeah. But that follows all gold. You have an angelic glow. That's what's going on. I, this is, uh, this is the look I'm going for. I wish I could fix this. Uh, I actually was <laughs> toying with it. Listen, <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to get rid of this before we were coming on the air. Don't worry and about it. It almost caused me to come on the air without my tooth in. So we prioritized. <laughs> yeah, in. he did put his he tooth, did put tooth in before we went live. I will give him the angelic look. I'll try the to life of a Goalie. Thanks for that, buddy. Thanks Love for that. Uh, Vancouver's obviously going to be in town tomorrow to play the Coyotes at the Mullet. Quick thoughts. You just touched on sort of the the future for the Canucks, what it looks like. But curious about your thoughts on the direction over the next three to four years. Also curious about some former Coyotes and how they fit in. One is OEL, two is Connor Garland, and then three is Rick Tockett, who <laughs> is somehow Ooh. coaching Oliver Ekman Larson again. Yeah, so um, they're kind of three different stories and different chapters for Garland. Like, uh, he was good in his first year, wasn't having any success. Let's be honest, nobody was having success here last year. Like, his five-on-five -five numbers last year were really good. Like, a lot of guys at the start of this season under under Bruce Boudreau, uh, nothing was really good. But since talk gets come in, like, Garland is one of the guys who's kind of taken off. And I guess we shouldn't be surprised um, when we hear more about their relationship and the role that that Rick kind of played in, in him getting to this level. Um, so he's been really good. Rick has held these guys accountable defensively for the first time for some of them. And maybe since they got to the NHL, like this is, I don't want to say this is the problem with the rebuild because it's not necessarily a blanket statement for all rebuilds, 
But one of the challenges when you have elite young players come into a team and, and, and be given, I guess earn as well, but be given prominent roles, offensively in particular, is on a losing team you can get away with not taking care of your own end. And that's what's changed here. Defensive habits, defensive structure. They've gone to a zone defensive system after flailing badly uh, in a modified man-on-man. They were playing under Boudreaux. I mean, listen, they were 24th in the league by most defensive metrics last year. And I, I use ClearSight Analytics um, for, you know, for these numbers. I get, the, I get access to that under the hood from Stephen Balakat. And I think they weigh shot quality you know, as well, if not better, than any analytics company. And so... They were 24th last year, and they had a Vesna-esque season out of Thatcher Demko to prop them mm. into a playoff race and all those numbers under Bruce. They cratered this season from 24th to 32nd in most of the key defensive metrics. Um, things like the high-quality chances off the rush, one of the bottom two. They went from bottom third to bottom three. And I don't think people understand, like, that's not just a drop of like seven or eight spots. That can be exponential from a goaltending perspective. The most dangerous chances off the rush were the ones they were the worst at generating or worst at giving up. And so the goalies bore the brunt. They played the wheels right off at Thatcher Demko to the tune of a three-month groin injury. And then the guys who had spent most of their career in the American Hockey League couldn't hold water in part because the ask was too big. There just There was no structure. Um, you know, screens, like, like filling lanes, being in the right lane on a screen, like these guys, I'd never seen a team better at being in a shooting lane in terms of taking away their goalie's eyes, but worse at actually being in the shooting lane in terms of eating a puck. And so, um, Tocket has really changed that mindset defensively. Their defensive metrics and a lot of the key numbers have jumped from 32nd to top 10, um, especially on seam passes, lateral plays, uh, the screens are better, off the rush is better. Like they're giving themselves a chance. They're giving their goalies a chance. And Thatcher Demko's back healthy. So Tockett's made the biggest impact. Garland's been better under him. Oliver Ekman Larson had a pretty good season last year, and it just hasn't translated this year. Again, we talk about goaltending not existing in a vacuum. It's always a function of team play. And I talked about all those defensive metrics and the lack of structure and how that killed the goalies here for the first half of the season. Almost literally killed Demko. Um, that's also tough on defensemen. When there isn't structure, when there isn't predictability in terms of where guys are going to be in their own zone defensively for breakout passes, like the D suffered as well. The outlets weren't when their guys were flying the zone. Guys weren't coming back low and slow to be that, you know, that that sort of outlet option to get you out of the ice. You had to go hard off glass. So, uh, you know, I'm curious to see whether Oliver Ekman Larson can be better with more of that structure in place. He got hurt um, sort of right at the beginning. They're kind of counting on it. That or they're going to buy him out this summer. And that is a possibility they have raised. Wow. Um, because the way he's played this season, I mean, we know the contract is an anchor. But right now, this team is playing considerably better with three guys who are career American hockey leaguers who are outplaying what they were getting out of Oliver and all he's earning at the start of the season. So hopefully, a healthy Ekman Larson with this structure can give you more of what you saw last year, which is just at least competence. Cause at the beginning of this year, it wasn't, it wasn't a discussion of he makes too much for what he's giving you. It's even if he was making league minimum, I'm not sure he would be in the lineup. That's how bad things got before he got hurt. 
Um, we the static is unfortunately back. Just get back the last sure, ten I'm seconds. I'm not sure what happened. It just happened because I know it can't seconds. be your mic, so I'm not really sure what's so going on. So I want my last Vancouver question. I want just a quick answer to. We talked a lot about Rick Tockett, and we've we've heard a lot about Bruce. There it is, and Bruce Boudreau and the change, and then all of a sudden everybody wanted him out, and then everybody started feeling bad for him, and then we love Bruce, and now we don't. <laughs> love. Where is the love affair with Bruce Boudreau right now? with Vancouver Canuck fans. Are we past it now? Are we on board with Rick Tockett? And are we past the feeling sorry for Bruce stage? Um, I think there's, I think Bruce is, is still a sympathetic figure in this market for sure. But I think we're past the unfortunate anger, misdirected anger at Rick Tockett for taking over for him. Um, the irony to me is the organization seems upset and was upset and expressed this, that they believed a lot of the problems were because of media speculation in terms of how that all went down. And I have a little trouble with that, to be honest with you, because somehow, like, honest to God, you, we talked, we started this conversation with Canucks fans and, and how they can be like the way Bruce's team was performing before they let him go. And I talked about all those key defensive metrics and the expectations that this would be a playoff team. Like, this is a market that would have been shouting from the rooftops for him to be fired right. at that point in the season. But right. they made him a sympathetic figure because of how they undercut him right from the end of last season. Um, you know, talking about how, you know, Jim Rutherford went on Hockey Night in Canada after hours on the first weekend of the season or second weekend of the season and said, well, he's back because I didn't know the owner gave him a second year on his contract. Like, <laughs> you know, we don't like the way his team plays. There's no defensive structure. All that stuff was true. And... Like, there were problems there, but just the way they handled it publicly, the way they undercut him publicly, made him a sympathetic figure in a market where I'm pretty sure people would have been calling for his job based on right. performance, if not for those facts. So I think they're past it. I think everybody can see how much better this team can be, although, boy, man, have they done this before, gone on late-season runs and then absolutely <laughs> cratered with the same people and the same coaching staff at the start of the following season. So there's a skepticism here over this recent run of five straight and eight and 11. But at the very least, it's helped the market move on from, from the Boost Brujo stuff without changing the fact the way it was handled wasn't very well. Yeah. Um, Kevin, we're going to have you do the same thing you did before, hang up and call back. Not sure what's going on. So sorry. But it did fix it last time, so we're hoping – it does again. And we'll do some business. Yeah. We'll, we'll do some yeah. different mic. Yeah. And yeah. we'll do ad reads. Yeah. Yeah. So sorry, sorry about plug these into issues. Nothing, but I'll give it a go. Yeah. Okay. Try it again. Um, but sorry. Yeah. Look, you look ahead to the matchup tomorrow night. Um, you'd think, I don't know, the Coyotes have been playing so hot at Mullet. They're plus 125 right now on DraftKings, the money line. Um, Vancouver is the favorite, minus 145. I don't know. Like, I just. I'm embracing the mullet magic at this point. So if you want to ride that, you can do so on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, and right now, when you sign up using the code PHNX, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. That's only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHNX. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. The over-under is also set at six and a half. Um, and it's same odds both ways. So it's kind of a, hmm. fl a flip coin in that regard so will be interesting to see and get his perspective i'm taking on the under veggie and ingram which we'll get to in just a second um but before we do craig st patrick's day is this friday i already know the pregame <sighs> is going to happen at the four peaks 8th street pub uh, it's the best place besides craig's party to send st patrick's day hang out enjoy <laughs> a good time pick up some beer i'm gonna bring four peaks i did party. try to get our management team to say 
you have to attend Four Peaks. You can't go to Craig's, but they weren't. Wow. I also had neighbors trying to tell me how to get out of it, too. They're like, well, tell them your car doesn't start. Like I had, we had this discussion with, why we had a group you, of neighbors while we were walking this? the dog. Uh, I'm, right here. I'm sitting We're right just here. having yeah. this discussion. Exci- walking I the can't dog. be more excited for your party. Craig. See, that's, um, <laughs> that's the energy I need to hear. So as you drink uh, <laughs> Four Peaks beer, you must be 21 or older to enjoy responsibly. All right. When we get into the reverse VH, I am going to open a beer. I have one I right here. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, let's bring Perfect. Kevin back. Um, see how if this works, hopefully a little bit better. I know. Kevin, sorry, I don't know. Sorry about all We just want to make issues. you get, make it difficult. It's always what we do to goalies. Make life hard. <laughs> right? But let's talk I about feel, Coyote. I feel like the guy in the Verizon commercial. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Now you're back <laughs> you to good. You sound great again. Yeah. So let's okay. hope it's six. All right. I'm going to start with this because I want to give you some props. When I was looking to write a story on who the Coyotes should pursue as a backup goaltender, of course I came to you because I have great faith in your knowledge of this position. And I know you have a ridiculous wealth of sources. And you told me at that time, and I wrote this in the story, Connor Ingram's the guy that at the top of the list, this is the guy they should be looking at. I can't believe he didn't get a chance in Nashville. And here we are after a, just a, you know, a, a bit of a hiccup to start when he was flying back from Europe and thrown into a crazy situation. Connor Ingram's been unbelievable for this team. I want to ask you what it was that convinced you he was ready for this opportunity, what you saw in him. You know, and I'm honest with you, like, this is the reality of the job. Like, I don't get to dig in deep on every single guy. There's too many goalies in the league. There's too many goalies not in the league, especially when you get into the American Hockey League. A lot of this was analytics based. So I'll pass, you know, some of that credit on to Stephen Valakad and ClearSight Analytics. And again, the ability to measure a goaltender's performance beyond what we see on the raw numbers on, say, an NHL.com with save percentage and goals against average and things like that, um, to really measure shot quality. And, and yeah, it was a tiny sample, um, but I, like there was a game against Edmonton that he played last year with Nashville or the season before with Nashville, and the raw numbers like would make you think that was a terrible performance. Um, but when you looked at the shot quality he faced, you realized how good he was. And, and that was a game I watched closely, and there were just – I mean, there were just elements of sort of the way he reads the game, um, reacts, athleticism. Like, there's just a nice balance there. And I knew in Arizona, or at least I assumed in Arizona, like, it's a, it's a bit of a tough situation to go into. And so I'm not surprised it took a little time to sort of get his feet under him. Um, but, like, like, I think there's structure there, right? Like, like yeah. uh, under Andre, who, like, another guy that I've had the pleasure to, to meet through hockey circles, goalie circles, he actually was the lone coach on a goalie symposium, um, uh, like a group panel discussion. He was the lone non-goalie coach on a panel discussion that Hockey Canada put on that I um, hosted. And so some of his philosophies and, and how much he understood the position – I expected it to not be wide open. And yet just because of the nature of the roster, there's going to be times where you're facing a little more grade A's. And I just thought Ingram, there's enough structure there to have a a solid baseline when everything in front of you is maybe a little more predictable and there's good structure, but he had other elements of his game that I thought, you know, there was a higher ceiling there too. Like there's, you almost look at it like in fantasy football terms sometimes. Like some guys, because of their technique, have really high floors, but they don't have a ceiling. Like they don't have they don't have some of those other elements, those innate elements, those reactive elements. In his case, reads I think are a big part of it, but also like good hands and the and the way he sort of gets into spots and doesn't lock into blocks. 
um, they give him mm. a higher ceiling. And you add that to the numbers and just, uh, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I thought um, I thought would have success if he was given an opportunity. And like you said, it took a while and he's making me look good right now. He's making mm-hmm. Bella numbers look good right now. But one of the things I'm looking at, Kevin, as you brought up analytics and, and how that helps you assess these goaltenders, I know you you also play the position so you can see it with your own eyes. And here's the example. When you look at the two Arizona goaltenders, Vamelka and Ingram, very different in the way they approach the game. Connor Ingram is calm, steady, square to the shot. Vamelka, athletic, acrobatic slides a little bit and a little more active. Do all of those things, the eye test and the analytics come into the way you are, you're assessing and looking at these goaltenders? I think the analytics are actually in some ways a a better starting point. Um, And maybe that's just for me uh, because I don't, again, like there's just not enough time to watch every goalie on every team to the level that NHL goalie coaches do. Um, And so what I look is, to me, the analytics in terms of positive trends or negative trends, then I can watch the video. And so am I seeing things on in the numbers and then, you know, click a button and, you know, you, for example, slot line plays, you can, you know, isolate them, click a button and watch every slot line play that either one of those goaltenders have given up here. And so does, does Ingram beat most of those on his skates? Whereas you said, Lamelka might slide a little bit more, might, might, might drop a knee and come across on his knees. Like those are some of the trends you can see and where it's fun is where they match up. Like where they have, when they have success and you can then look at the video and see why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, and this is the beautiful part of the position. This is why I love this gig. This is why I fell in love with goaltending. I didn't grow up playing it. I didn't start this till my mid thirties. Um, but there's no, like there are no absolutes. There's no one way to play this position. Like, Every if you had an at, if you had a list of attributes that make up an elite goaltender, every guy is going to have like it's like a sliding scale for each attribute, and every guy is going to have a different mix, and different mixes can lead to success, and what they play behind can play a role in that as well. And so I think it's why you hear things like goalie is voodoo because there are so many different factors that can go into success, including team environment. Um, and there's no sort of absolute only one way is going to sort of unlock this and, and, and work for this guy. Every guy's different and it's why I love it. It's also why other people struggle to figure it out a little bit, but I will say like, if you start with the analytics component, like you can, I think it's easier to sort of isolate and find the guys like Connor Ingram. I think it's easier to avoid mistakes i think teams need to do a better job of that by matching how a guy performs to you know what you give up as a team and i think just even on the surface like you know without even going that deep like not to pick on him because i think everybody want in the goalie world wants him to have success and he's better than he's showing this year but the edmonton oilers gave jack campbell you know Mm -hmm. five over five and his numbers in toronto is nice as the raw, like I said, NHL.com, you know, save percentage numbers. Look, his adjusted numbers, both seasons in Toronto graded out in the thirties. Like his adjusted save percentage was in the thirties. And I looked at that and I'm like, like, I like Jack Campbell. I like a lot of things about his game, but I'm not giving a guy who grades out in the thirties, $25 million. And I'm not doing it to be a number one goaltender in a Canadian market with tons of expectations. um, When no matter what happened in Toronto, he never went into a season with those expectations. Like he earned the opportunity to be a number one and in the playoffs, 
but it was never sort of like the big ticket. Like he was the underdog that rose into that role. Like that's a whole different mindset for a guy who, you know, has openly talked about struggling with some of the mental side of the game over his career. And again, I think anybody that knows Jack wants him to have success and he's definitely better than he's shown this year. Um, but to hand out that contract, given those numbers, it just didn't make a ton of sense. I want to ask you now about Karel Vimelka. There's something about this is not analytics, but just something about Arizona. Goalies come here and they thrive. I don't know. It's so bizarre. Um, Karel Vimelka, he's kind of had an unexpected rise this year. He had before last season, he hadn't even played on NHL size ice. What are your thoughts or what's your evaluation of, of his game and his maybe unexpected rise? Uh, there's just a lot of good tools there. And I think, you know, you talk about goalies going to Arizona and having success, like shout out Corey Schwab. No, like, I don't know that he gets enough attention for um, the goalie coach he is and the work he does. And, um, you know, I think he probably should get more recognized for it. Um, I just, you know, it's funny because Corey was a guy who kind of played a little more of an old school style, but I think has added some modern, you know, technical elements you see it in his goaltender. So I, he's a guy that I think gets overlooked a little too much in the conversations around goalie coaching. I don't know if that's an Arizona thing or, um, but like Schwabi's really good at his job. So that's part of this. Um, I mean, there's the size, there's the skill set, there's the movement. Uh, there's a lot of elements of Vemelka's game that uh, you really like. I actually had the analytics page pulled up and I'm scared to touch my computer right now. For <laughs> Fair enough. Like I, I really don't even want to reach over and like touch yeah, the it's just your, the screen because your energy static will come back. So, um, but there's just a lot of things he does well and there's still tests to come, right? Like we can look at, I could break down all the technique and tell you, you know, why he has success from a technical element. The one thing you never get to do is look inside between the ears. I can, I can break yeah. down between the pipes, but you don't get to look between the ears. And so, you know, in pressure moments, when you get to that stage, oh. um, does this game change, right? Like you look for road signs along the way. Like if you get into a playoff race in that pressure moment, does he still look like the same goalie is still playing situations the same way? Or do you see tension in his stance? Um, do you see things change, uh, in terms of the way he moves off the ice? Do you see him get more aggressive when goalies struggle? They go one of two ways. They either get super aggressive, like, like Marc-Andre Fleury used to in Pittsburgh, or they retreat to the goal line and make themselves small. Um, do you see signs of that in different moments for him? Um, you know, some of the other things like pressure shots, uh, uh not all goalies like everybody would assume, Hey, like good defensive team. You're going to get better results as a goaltender, but sometimes fewer shots is a bit of a challenge for a goaltender because they're not in the same rhythm that he is right now where he's busier. So those are all different things that you're going to have to see along the way, how he adjusts to, and they are adjustments. And, and I believe he'll make them um, because of all the other physical skills, but those are the things we don't know yet. And you sort of need to see him in those environments to see how he reacts to them. All right. Two, you got, you got the boxing gloves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two things though. Okay. First, I'm going to steal that line. You can see between the pipes, what's between the ears. Love it because now that will be we'll bring that here because that's fantastic. But you also talked about Corey Schwab, you talked about Corelli, and you talked about technique. So it's here it time. is. Here it is. It's time. It's oh, time. It's time. People are anticipating <laughs> there's going to be this big. I people around here that follow us and I'm five foot ten. I played college hockey at 140 pounds at five foot ten in old gear, two piece upper body. 
I stood up because I had to. I'd play at the hash marks just to cut off an angle. <laughs> the game has evolved and changed. I understand that. I, however, at five foot ten and 140 pounds, would stop the goal from the boards at the goal line over the shoulder. And I'm five foot ten. So we get in this argument often about the reversed VH. Before we start, I think there is incredibly common ground between the two of us. I understand the importance of this technique and style for today's goaltender to get across, to cover the front of the net, to make those explosive pushes from below the goal line to above the goal line. I get that. I understand their ability to take away the lower third. I get that also. My concern is two things. The robotic nature of the VH, the guys go into it, the pucks here, I go down. I was taught pucks here, I go down. Doesn't matter the situation, I go down. And two, they're not doing the technique properly, exposing that top. Three, there are better shooters in the league than ever before that are taught to shoot for that spot. So I think it's a mix of when, where, and how to use the reverse VH. And that's what drives me nuts. <laughs> well, I thought we were supposed to take the gloves off. <laughs> but so do, are, are, are you, you're, you're not, you're not wrong because Corey right? Schwab and I fought about that. He said, you're against the reverse VH. I said, no, I'm not. I'm against watch this goalie. There's no opponent inside the blue line. Not one. His team is going for a line change. His defenseman carries the puck from below the goal line out and he's in the reverse VH. What the living hell are you doing? That that's just poor technique. And here's, here's part of the problem. There are not enough good qualified goalie coaches and you look in Arizona where it's somebody's dad that saw something on the internet and that's how they're learning and that's where I get frustrated okay so first of all like if somebody's dad wants to learn how to teach the position there's this thing called ingolmag.com they have to subscribe See? to oh, perfect that's there it is perfect yeah I mean thank you very much for that no um, and you have drills and you teach the philosophy and how to teach young goaltenders give us a smile yeah. we can get the light beam to shine right off your teeth right now the one that might that. not that's shine um, so like listen like 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 we we're not talking about get, like you're not talking about getting rid of the reverse VH. I mean, I, I the reason I was looking down is because again I'm too scared to touch my computer for fear of static, and I had all these things pulled up on my computer, so I, I pulled it up on my phone. Like yeah, for the people that are like you need to get rid of it completely. Like everybody just stand up, and there's a few people on Twitter that are like that. Like this is a quote from Ian Clark, uh, who you know is one of the widely recognized as one of the better technical goalie coaches. You know, yes. not just in the game right now, but yes, you know, probably history of the game. Like, Ever, he's, yeah. he's, he's yes. a big part. Extreme. Know, well known. You would be abandoning the one position that has revolutionized goaltending as much, if not more, than the butterfly. There is no other body position in the history of the game that allows us to dynamically connect everything we do away from our post to everything we do on our post. And so, um, listen, well, if a guy's coming down the wing and there's nothing in the middle, then you can use an overlap square up on him. Now, yeah. the one challenge of that is if a guy's coming down the wing and he gets into a dead angle location and he's got speed and you Wrap square around. up on him outside of your post, which is you what an overlap is. It's just basically um, a butterfly outside of your post. Because if you butterfly, there's the other people like just butterfly on your post. Well, if you inherently think of the nature of a butterfly, your feet being sort of out beside you, if you drop into a butterfly with one skate on the post, you are actually pushing your body, your center mass away from the post and opening up the short side. So that was a problem with butterfly on the post. So we develop an overlap, which is get that skate outside the post, square up on the shooter and drop that way. Now I would sort of argue that if you're not tracking and you're not reacting, you just drop into a butterfly, you're probably exposing that same spot here 
that sure. you are in a poorly executed reverse. Yep. The other problem with even in that one-on-one down the wing rush situation, if you use an overlap and you square up on the guy and he pump fakes you down and now you're facing the boards yeah. that he's coming from and he has speed and carries it around the net for a wrap, that is a massive rotation you have to make to get across the crease to prevent the wraparound. And I would suggest that for as much as that short side reverse VH goal pisses people off, we're all looking at that wraparound going and going, how the hell did the goalie not get across? Matt Murray the other night. Anti-Ranta. Anti-Ranta is a guy that comes out, does that overlap, and he's been beat twice in the last two weeks on that wraparound. Yeah, so there you go. So it happens. Now listen, um, I do think that the reverse, and, and we I don't know if we're going to run some footage from Demko. I, we do pro reads with NHL goalies where we sit down and watch footage. And the one thing, while Thatcher was out, the only blessing of him missing three months is he spent an hour with me going over his saves. And a whole bunch of times in situations where um, you know a guy is above the goal line with a clear look and he can shoot and has passed, Demko makes backdoor saves that – you know, if he had squared up on that shooter on or off his post, he can't get there. And so, you know, I just got off a call with Valakent and we talked about, you know, how his offense gone up in the NHL lateral plays across the middle of the ice over the past five years have increased 41%. If you want to know why goals are up, that's it. Teams understand that you need to move a goaltender East West. The majority of those are low below the hash mark. So what we call low slot line plays. And so on a low slot line play, if I'm a goaltender and I'm squared up outside my post, I'm not in the net with a reverse. This is where Clark's you know quote comes in. I'm able to, if I do it effectively and way too many goalies are either too small to do it effectively, or they don't right. use that inside leg to anchor and drive coverage. Like you watch that your demo, you watch him tomorrow night. Actually, you might not get him tomorrow night, but if you watch him in warmups, he uses that inside leg the one that's down on the on the goal on the goal line on the crease to drive those shoulders up and he maintains active hands out in front of him when he's in a reverse he's only given up one in the reverse that i've watched like over the last couple years and he will stay in it even when the puck is moved up on the goal line so we go through this video and i find like five saves where on those pucks that are funneled through the middle of the ice in front of the net the ones that can be tipped deflected backdoor or hit a defenseman skate He makes all these saves because the reverse allows him to be connected to his post, have the short side seal if that guy shoots, but also have the net filled when that puck comes across the middle of the ice. And that's why you get quotes like that from Clark. And that's why we can't just abandon it and just end up. But yes, there are situations where we need to find other solutions. And that brings us to the Panda. The Panda. (laughs) I don't, I, 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 I do not know the Panda. I, I just Craig want to hear it because of the name. Unveil the panda last night. I I care about. I'm, I'm just fascinated because of the name. I want to see the panda. Panda. Um, well, I demonstrated it, but again. Yeah, um, we have, we have clip. I don't think I even found a clip of panda. So basically, a panda is an overlap, except okay. for instead of, I, I talked about, say, off that rush chance. Yes. And this was, this was, I shouldn't say developed actually. We got to, because there's an Arizona Coyotes connection to how this no. was actually developed no years ago. Um, but it was popularized by Dustin Wolf, who is all of five foot 10 and absolutely ripping up the American Hockey League for a second straight season. Wolfie had problems with sort of that, like he was getting exposed at his first year pro. Dropping into reverse by shooters could pick that spot because he's five foot ten. Five foot ten, and even yep. with, even with proper execution, he's not getting all the way to yep. the top. And so, but the problem with overlap is again, 
with speed down the wing. If Can't I drop and square up, he's might be the fastest goal I've ever seen, like this side of UC Soros, and he still can't get still there. can't get there. So they developed a purposely flattened out overlap. So in other words, I'm still in an overlap. My outside skates outside the post, but I'm basically going to hedge my inside skate and bring it down to the goal line. So instead of squaring up on that guy, because once he gets turned to the inside on the a bottom of the overlap. circle, yeah, I'm flattening out because now that angle and that push. You got that on your head. I was just think, sitting here thinking. It's yeah, going. no idea. But I'm impressed you're actually still awake because I ran. <laughs> um, <laughs> only the goalie is still awake there. But like, if you think about it, so now I've purposely flattened out my inside, and so that rotation, that big turn I have to make to get to the far post, isn't nearly as much. And because my outside skate is outside my post, it's free to make a push. So it's essentially a purposely flat see overlap. Look and from a dead, from a dead angle. Yep. You still have that coverage short side. You, now, you are a little vulnerable when that play gets down below the goal line because you're outside your post. You're vulnerable maybe. If you were to do this all the time, I think shooters might start to look for a bank shot off your backside, Yeah, which is why you need to make sure that backside is sealed up against the post. And so when they tried to come up for a name with it or with a name for it, uh, Jordan Sigalette, the director of goaltending with the Calgary Flames, was like, well, it looks like a panda rubbing its ass up against a tree, so we're going to call it the panda. <laughs> the panda. Love it. See, now that makes sense. I, that, that's more fun. When are we going to have fantastic. the Woodley? When are we going to have the... Let's see. That's what you need to do. You need to come up with your own goaltending style and start everybody in North America, age five and up, playing the Woodley. Yeah, or well, the Morning Woodley. The Woodley already exists. Like, we could define the Woodley. If yes. you were to go back and find uh, that old clip from... Toy Story, yes. where Buzz flies for the first time, and Woody says, ironically, Woody says, um, that's not flying, that's falling with style. So <laughs> that, that's how I play goal. That's I the Woodley? Down. Now, I do need to give you guys the Arizona connection here. Oh, yes. Because the name matters. Like, Panda matters. The marketing behind it, and we, we had it at InGoal Magazine. We ran a story on it. We ran video on it. And Thomas Millich, who won a World Junior Gold Championship, this bugged Dustin Wolf a little bit because he's American and, and won gold with the U.S. Millich used it at the World Juniors and won gold and actually was very effective with it. And he actually learned it from reading it at Ingold Magazine. That's where he was first turned on to it. So that value, and we've seen other coaches start to adopt it. But the truth is, it existed at Ingold Magazine in our original old website format in 2014. It did not have the sexy name of Panda, although I'm not <laughs> sure if pandas are sexy, but whatever. Um, it was developed by Paul Schoenfelder or shared with us by Paul Schoenfelder, who's now the goalie coach of the Carolina Hurricanes, and Charlie McTavish, wow. who is now the Arizona Coyotes development coach. Development they worked coach. together at a place called Complete Goaltending Development, CGD in Ottawa. And they did a great story outlining these exact same things um, way back in 2014, I believe they called it an overlap reverse. And that's my fault as an editor for not coming up with something with more sizzle <laughs> that would give them that recognition. Now, I don't believe that Dustin Wolf and Thomas Spear and Jordan Sigalette, there was no ill intent. They hadn't seen it there before and like stolen yes. it and put a new, there's none of that. It just, you know, 
it need, it was required more. They developed it because they had goalies that were struggling to get into the reverse. It's such a hard position on the hips and knees. So they developed this as an alternative. Mm-hmm. Wolfie needed it as a smaller guy getting exposed as more and more shooters in 2022 knew how to look for that spot, the problem you talked about. And so there was more people looking for this solution than there was back in 2014. But yes, Charlie McTavish and Paul Schoenfelder actually probably deserve more credit for developing this. We just sold the sexy sizzle one with uh, the Flames guys last season. So apologies to them. We'd kind of honestly forgotten that they'd written the article because <laughs> I'm old. We've established I've taken a lot of pucks in the head and I'm forgetful. So I, I think to sum up the reverse VH, Kevin, I think we both agreed that it it's a technique that's effective when it is performed properly and executed properly at the correct times. And there is some level of reading the play involved with the execution of that play. And my biggest problem is there are four foot two, nine year olds in Phoenix learning the reverse VH. And I wish they would just teach those kids how to skate better and move around the net better first we'll get and, to that <laughs> and that's 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 my problem so i think we we are in agreement do it do it properly and do it when it is necessary but have other tools in your bag that you can do other things at different times like, so i think we agree like panda we agree 100 but like and and you know demko used this line with me too and the, he's like it's like saying we shouldn't butterfly anymore it's all about timing execution and making right. the proper read it's like timing execution when to do it and yeah. there are goalies that you've seen are robots. And when the puck is here, I go down. Like we, Lee and I watch games in the studio all the time. And I go, okay, watch this guy. He's a robot. And the puck is there. He goes down. The puck gets past that point. He stands up. And that's well, the and the, the, that's there are guys that from. do it so effectively they can get away with that. Because I, you know, I mean, Thatcher talked with us about landmarks. Puck hits a certain part on the ice. Yeah. And that's when he's thinking about dropping into it. But he's so effective at sealing that he does it, you know, he's manages to pull it off. The other part I would talk about, whether it's Panda, VH, reverse VH, stand up. Mark Andre Froy still stands up every once in a while um and and is effective with it he also added mark andre Fleury added an overlap in chicago because he learned it from kevin lankin like there's yeah there's your ultimate example him and roberto luongo the guys that have the longest careers even like adapt like always looking for ways to get yep. better even if it's mm-hmm. from a kid who's barely played in the league and he's yep. played all these games and he's headed to the hall of fame you always got to be looking to try new things and try and get better because these shooters that are picking that spot what are they looking for? They're looking for predictability. Yep. I think adding a little unpredictability to goaltending in an era where we're trying to find the most efficiency and the best way to do things, unpredictability still matters. It can still count. And that's where Cujo was here. He was here when the reverse VH and VH started to come in. And Cujo goes, I got to learn. I got to change my game or I'm done. And so he had to go from a guy that stood up more in the net in that old style. And he had to learn and he had to learn to play differently to prolong his career, which he did here in Arizona. Cujo is one of the last guys uh, I remember that got up off the wrong leg. And like when he dropped into a butterfly, he got up with the same leg rather than proper leg recovery. So if I'm in a butterfly and I need to push to my left, I need to get up with my right skate because that's my drive leg. Drive pushing. Um, to push. And so if it's, I got to move to my right, I get up with my left leg. Cujo, I can't remember which one it was, but he always got up with the same leg. And again, late in his career, he, again, he goes back to goalie school. He watched 12 and 13 year olds moving yep. better than him, admits that yep. and realizes he can add efficiency. 
All right, we got we more. To get, we, we got more to get into before we do. Um, anyone who watched our post game show last night on YouTube saw me in my hostage corner, as Craig <laughs> likes to call it. Um, I did order a desk though; it's on its way from More Furniture. Um, thank goodness they had exactly what I was looking for. And as I continue to furnish my new house, I am always going to More Furniture. Um, and you can save big on the best furniture in the Valley when you head to MoreFurniture.com. That's M O R furniture.com get that white glove delivery no stress no stress when it comes to furniture um and as far as this game that we've kind of previewed for tomorrow the canucks and the coyotes if you want to go check it out and see oel and connor garland and rick talkett all again um, in mullet for the first time you can do so by using the game time app and you can save big on tickets when you buy them last minute you can save up to 60 percent off the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link below in our description. So check out game time. Okay, I want to ask you about load management because for a long time we've seen a one-two thing. So like one goalie play the chunk of games and then a backup here and there. And now we're kind of seeing this 1A, 1B situation. So I'm curious about your thoughts on that, like how that format has evolved if you think one is more effective over the other and if there is any long-term impact that we can measure about you know maybe someone's career and pd just cracked open a beer um, <laughs> but just just in terms of the one two versus the one a one b your thoughts uh, i mean i think part of this is just you know like part of it is load management um whether it's travel or i mean hey like if there's 41 more percent passes in the last five years across the ice that's that much more that goalies have to work to keep up with that like the game's mm. never been harder physically more demanding for goaltenders we talked about reverse vh an incredibly demanding position on the hips the knees yeah. uh, and the ankles right so like uh the position itself um is tougher than it's ever been before in part because of the game that you're being presented with and the dynamic nature of it in part because we come up with ways like the butterfly is not a natural position for the human body and we're in and out of it more than ever before. So um, reducing the stress in that way is a part of this conversation. I also think that there's just like the gap between one and two used to be so big. Like you had your stars and you had guys behind them that, you know, like there was just no comparing the two. I think at a time when, interestingly enough, at a time when I think there were times this year where people were like, man, it feels like there's less, you know, surefire, legit number one star goalies in the league than ever before. And I would say that, yeah, partly because look at how many have retired in the last three, four years. Um, there's been a lot of big names that have left us in the last three. Got a lot of guys that used to play like 70 plus games, the Luangos of the world that have retired in the last little while. Um, that's part of it. But I just think the gaps shrink. Like, you know, mm. we talk about you know, maybe we don't have as many of the high end superstars right now, but part of it is also like the gap between one and two is a lot smaller for a lot of organizations. So it's ironic at a time when, you know, some organizations are like, oh, can they have, can they find a goaltender? Um, there's a bunch that have two and even three. And so as that, as we know more about load management and, and not overplaying guys and not running them down, having better options to allow you to do that just it just makes it a no-brainer just have having more said that end. kevin it, what does discussion sound like in terms of finding solutions you just mentioned this there's there's a lot of torque there's a lot of strain on hips and knees and groins what does that discussion sounds like because it's it, we're seeing this plague of goalie injuries that are that are coming from a lot of the the things that you're talking about the speed of the game uh, those those seam passes etc what does the discussion look like now about 
finding finding solutions to that really well i've seen we've seen a lot of the injuries are like the demco one for example was like lateral and back like bang bang quicker like she just had to go one way and then shift back to the other and so those are always probably going to happen especially with more of those types in place um i do think there are things we can do some goalie coaches at a young age will talk about you know, a sort of a pitch count for dropping into the butterfly, like reducing how many times young goalies drop into the butterfly in a practice, especially in an era where, you know, as we were talking earlier about reverse VH or, or, or dropping into the butterfly, we want to preach patience, right? So standing up more and spending more time on your skates and not committing down as much. Like, you know, there are some coaches that, that preach that, that we want to find ways to have the goalies on their knees less uh, in a practice environment. So we're not adding to that wear and tear. Obviously trainings come a long way. There are some, you know, goalie specific trainers. There are a lot of teams around the league. I know a guy um, named Adam Francilia who has, uh, he, he works out of, out of Kelowna. Connor Hellebuck is one of about 14 NHL clients he has. And the reality is you'll go into an NHL building and the trainers are all excellent, but they don't approach the, the physiology of goaltending uniquely often mm. enough. So having a guy like that can, that can come in and sort of bring position specific training to the equation, I think helps. Um, the other thing is just equipment, like less time in the reverse. It's funny. We just had this conversation with Valakat, like a lot of goalies and I've had this with NHL goalie coaches. Like they love the drills, the net play drills down and around the net that put them in the reverse all the time. What adds to the wear and tear? Well, why do they love it? It's a low percentage plan. They're making saves all day. So um, that's not just a goalie coach. That's a goalie mindset. Like you need to get out of that. Once you've Jonathan Bernier, once he had his reverse dialed in, he stopped practicing it because he recognized the wear and tear that it provided. And then the third one's equipment. Um, take a look at Connor Ingram skates right now. Uh, the Bauer mm. connect. He is literally playing in ski boots. Connor Ingram is playing goal in ski boots. The new skate from Bauer, the Connect, which has a mechanical hinge in it, just like old ski boots. It's a hard plastic shell. Um, it provides dorsiflexion. You can flex forward in the ankles. And a lot of the new skates around the leagues have become so locked in, so stiff, that guys' answer is to not do them up all the way to the top, but it's still locking their legs in. And so when they hit the post, if their ankle's locked in and it doesn't have the flexion you're seeing here in, in the Bauer Connect, where does that energy go? And a lot of these companies are promoting like no lost energy transfer. Where the hell does it go? It goes up the chain. It goes into the knees. It goes into the hips. And so this is the first full season for Bauer Connect. Andre Vasilevsky wore them from December on last year. Charlie Lindgren wore them for most of the season. Now you're seeing, I think we got like 15, 16 guys in the league in them. And the commonality I'm hearing from them, yeah, there's a performance benefit. They can load the pushes. And that was the thought process behind it. But the biggest win for goalies I talked to and, now, Varlamov, Vasilevsky, tons of them. You ask mm. Connor about it. Less strain on the knees and hips. So we've we had these skates that were so tight and so locked into the ankle because goalies like the performance of it. Guys would actually change their sharpenings. They go to duller sharpening because they felt so much more connected. And that was a good thing. For too many years, they weren't recognizing the downside of no lost energy transfer. And that's that the body has to absorb more of it. And so this is another step in a position that's always evolving. I never thought we'd see NHL goalies playing in, I call them ski boots, but you could also go to the old, uh, like they're like the old microns or the langs that we would all laugh at and poo poo back in the early eighties. <laughs> goalies are now wearing them. They're, they're pretty advanced. They got all kinds of crazy tech in them. Yeah. Um, and like it helps. It actually helps. Oh, 
Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I w- well, I just wanted to stick on the gear that yeah. while we're on it, it. Um, because that's so interesting and it's just crazy, like the science and technology that goes into this that, you know, years ago, there wasn't really any thought. It was just put on skates, put on pads. But um, what's what are the significant innovations you've seen in the last decade? You know, we've seen goalie equipment shrink in size. Um, what's kind of being talked about as an issue right now? What do you see as maybe the next potential wave of goalie gear? If I had the answer on the next, I'd be ahead of the curve and 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 selling that to someone. So uh, I don't know that I'm I'm not the innovator myself, but I have kept track of the innovations that have come recently. And I mean, I think the Bauer skates is so fresh, and that is that is a new one. It'd be interesting to see how other companies answer for that because we are seeing that trend. Um, you know, again, I'll point to Ingram and his pads. Uh, the Bauer product. Uh, has come a long way and they're a company that deserves a lot of credit for trying to think outside the box. Right. So um, they developed a pad. The Lund- it was the originally it was Lundquist and the Odin pad where they changed the way the pad was built and they built a pad uh, rather than stuffing the inside of a bunch of leather. They actually made just like a, um, a core and then they wrapped around like a heat pressed foam layer on top of it to form this sort of one piece pad. And made a really hard inside edge. And so what do you get out of that? You get a pad that slides faster to the point where at the beginning goalies had to adjust. Like it it was an adjustment period. They were sliding through their save angles. They had to change how hard they had to push. Um, But again, that's a positive, right? If you can be faster uh, or you have to exert less energy to get there in the same time, that's good. Rebounds just fly off those things, including the blocker. Like, so those are areas where in the past companies used to be like, oh, how can we kill a rebound? Well, we can't. But what's the next best thing? Well, how about we make a super active rebound? And I remember when they first came out, like you, you hear it on TV, right? Like, oh, there's a bad rebound because it was a big rebound. But if it's rocketing off that pad at like literally twice the speed it used to, if the guy's standing at the top of the crease looking to tap it in, it's jumping past. He has less time to react because it's jumping past his stick that much further. And so, or if you're coming down the wing and you're looking to shoot off, you know, pass off pad, POP, shoot off the far pad and have a guy driving the other lane to look for the rebound. Well, or, or even just recovering for a rebound to the other side, you buy yourself more time to recover as a goaltender, the further that gets away from you. Um, If I leave that rebound sitting five feet from the net, I don't have much time to get across. If it goes 25 feet from the net before it gets on somebody else's stick, that's more time and space for me to recover, get across, and more time and space for it to have to get back to me with that second opportunity. So there's there's a concept that's been embraced by a lot of different companies. Uh, CCM was massive on developing the idea that you could actually get a pad faster to the ice than your knees, which seems really counterintuitive. And when they first told me about this, I thought, you're full of it. Um, but. <laughs> They had a biomechanics expert uh, at the university. I think it was Western Ontario, Ryan Frayne. That had, you know, he had the lights on and the straps on the pads. And what he realized, it wasn't even what he was looking for. They were trying to measure load and impact. And he realized when you drop into the butterfly, the pad drives into the knee stack. And on the way down to the ice, if, if the pad strap just loose enough, that impact into the knee stack will drive the pad down to the point where it can arrive on the ice an inch to an inch and a half, which is the width of a puck ahead of the knee hitting the ice. So what's the next step? Well, we need to make sure that that knee stack is firm and fixed because if I drive all my force into the knee stack and it just bends rather than bringing the whole face of the pad with it, 
then all that separation I've created doesn't help me. It's just getting that landing area, that little knee stack that we land on. It's getting that to the ice. I actually have images of this with the old pads. Mm. It would hit the ice, but the face of the pad we need to seal the ice would be an inch and a half, two inches behind. So we've now got Bauer and CCM. They've integrated the knee stack into the face of the pad. So they arrive at the same time. So building on the studies they did with a biomechanics um, PhD student that showed the pad can get to the ice faster than the knees and then building that in the technology to make sure the whole pad gets there and we're sealing the ice. So, um, you know, like it's crazy. I talk about the position being broken down like a golf swing, like we're, we're slow mowing everything. It's the biomechanics, the most efficiency of movement, how we track pucks, how we move, how we get rotation. Like we're breaking that down like a golf swing, nth degree, slow-mo cameras. They're doing the same with the equipment to find, try and find every little inch of advantage at a time when the NHL is trying to take as many inches as they can in terms of coverage. There are other ways to sort of close those gaps and, and slow up uh, those pucks and, and close those holes. All right, Kevin, uh, we're running a little short on time, so I think I'm going to skip over one of the, the big topics, but Petey and I might have to call you back and just geek out on goalies <laughs> for another hour for some supplemental content. But I want to go three quick questions, sort of staccato form here. Um, first off, when you're evaluating goaltenders' performance, what are you looking at? What are the stats you're looking at? And and tie that into how you think Vezida voting proceeds right now, if, it, if it's good, if, it, if, if it's just. Oh, I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at adjusted overall, right? So, like, I'm, I'm just looking at the shot quality. And you can measure that in terms of how many expected goals there were based on all those different factors. Um, there are different ways that, like, to me, rush chances are the one that creates the most goals. And so if you're playing behind a team that just bleeds great A's off the rush, your job is that much harder. And so I rely on a company like ClearSight to sort of break that down. I, I think a lot of the public stuff, the natural stat trick, like, you've got incredibly smart people doing incredible things with data that's just more limited than what these private companies have right so they're just you're you're just you're dealing with they don't have the context of slot line passes plays across the middle of the ice screens and things like that and so uh what valakas company does is just add that context and create the same measurements so expected goals expected save percentage um for the vesna i'm looking at expected goals but not entirely because like there are a couple of guys that might pass Linus Hallmark this year. Like UC Saros is right there with them. Um, Philip Gustafson's having a hell of a year in a small sample as well, by the way. Yeah. But when I look at expected save percentage, now I'm, am I punishing Linus Hallmark because Jeremy Swayman's been playing more? Like if Linus Hallmark has hit the threshold, to me, expected save percentage allows me to sort of compare on a more like shot by shot basis or say every hundred shots, right? And, and Linus Hallmark's number one in the NHL there still. So um, in terms of how the GMs do it, some of them lean on their goalie coaches. Some of them ask for recommendations. I know that because some of those goalie coaches then reach out to me because their team doesn't subscribe necessarily. They may not have access to the great analytics. So they ask me what I'm seeing. Um, I love that some of them are looking for more information. I'll just, mm. I'm not telling them who to vote for. I'm just sharing. Here's, here's the top guys in these stats, these categories. Um, but I have heard feedback over the years like, like, I'll give you an example. I can't put that guy at the top of my list. My GM hates him and he won't listen to my list. Like, <laughs> if that's honest to God part of the voting process, then maybe we're not doing it right. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Last thing before we let you go, just give us a sense of how In Goal magazine was conceived, how it's evolved, and what goalie learners like Petey and me can find there. Um, basically, it's just uh, – it started, uh, I used to work for, Ian Clark got me into goaltending. Uh, when I was in my mid-30s, he hired me to edit a magazine called Goalie News. 
um, when they shifted focus and and sort of changed the company, sort of there was no more goaliness. We'll put it that way. Um, I was looking for a place to write more about goaltending, as in addition to my normal NHL coverage. And I met a guy named David Hutchison who had this website that was pretty much just dedicated to masks. And we decided to add a little more editorial. And over the years, we grew, added the podcast, and realized that we needed a subscriber. And that's where Ingoal Premium comes in. And basically, now I am at the rink doing these pro reads, breaking down video with goalies, filming drills. In the summer, we go to camps with NHL goalies. We're on the ice with them. We're filming drills from puck, puck perspective. And then we're getting their insights. So, you know, it's kind of like a digital magazine, but where most uh, hockey coverage is about teams and winning and not winning and player profiles and features, we actually try and teach. Like we would spend a day on the ice every summer with Carey Price and a bunch of kids through the Eli Wilson goalie school on a day they put on. And it's Carey Price in his gear, filmed up, mic'd up, giving tips to everyone from the age of nine to even had a beer leaguer come out. And so we are just basically trying to share as much of that level of content as we possibly can. And thanks to goalie coaches being a community that are really open right up to the NHL level and willing to share and help develop the position, uh, goalies in as well. We just find there's a real openness there. And so, um, yeah, we still have masks. We still have gear. We still have fun stories. But the real nuts and bolts is if you're a goalie at any level or a goalie coach or a goalie parent, we have resources that will help you not just get better, but maybe enjoy and appreciate the position that much more. Mm. All right. Well, man, we could go on for a whole other hour. Yeah. And I think we have plans for some stuff on the side because we had to even skip a couple questions, but I know I, I talk too much. I apologize. No, 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 that's not, no, I'm like, as the non-goalie of this panel, I've learned, I've seriously learned a lot. I've already seen some tweets like I've like just from our listeners saying how much they've learned. So. Yeah, you have. yeah, and I want to I want to sum up Kevin because I am like I was born a goaltender. I played goal my whole life from a little kid. My dad was a goalie. When this is over, and I'm completely 100 percent serious, I want to talk goaltending with you because your perspective and your ability to have these conversations with elite goaltenders, with elite goaltender coaches, all the way to the beer leaguer is incredibly interesting to me, and I want to carry this discussion further, whether we put a camera on it and put it out to the universe, which I'd really like to do so that people can hear us geek out over everything that we didn't get a chance to talk today. I really, I'm going to go to Craig. I got to get your contact information because I, there's so much more we didn't even come close to talking mm -hmm. about. And parents, coaches here in Arizona, please, because this is, it's, it's a whole, it's not Minnesota. It's not Massachusetts. I'm sorry. It's just not, we don't have that wealth of hockey knowledge here. Please, Look up in goal magazine, please, because you need these resources to help the young goalies get better. And that's what's missing. So find that disconnect to make it. I'm not saying they have all the answers, but they'll give you more answers. They'll give you drills. They'll give you ideas and concepts that you don't understand now. So please reach out because the smarter you are, the better the goaltender is going to be. And you will always get smarter listening to Kevin Woodley. There you I, go. Yep. I learn stuff every time I talk to you. So, Kevin. If you can stay awake long enough. Leah's done. Leah's done. She's watching stop. TV over the oh monitor. Oh, my gosh. Stop it. Um, Kevin, thank you so much. Really looking forward to hopefully talking to you again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. And I, I apologize. I knew I needed to be shorter with my answers. but it's <laughs> Please not, it's, don't. It's, Please don't. It's we not a strength. So no, we learned so much. <laughs> All Thanks, right. Bud. Thanks, Kevin.
Oh man, just a wealth of goaltender knowledge. Yeah, I, I learned so I mean, you much. You know what? Now you see why. Like anytime I'm doing something on goaltending, I know I'm calling Kevin Woodley because I'm gonna I'm gonna learn ten things every time I. And go. I will apologize Unreal. to some of it. Like some of that stuff got a little techy, and I know it might be so. That's why I and I really sincerely think that you, the two of us should talk to him, and <laughs> we can explain some of those things when he's talking about driving on what a knee stack is. Right, a knee it stacks would be cool didn't to exist. Have some imagery yeah. on it too. Knee yeah. stacks didn't they exist. Better names too, like Panda is awesome. Panda's like amazing. I think yes. Reverse V eight should be like Vulture or something. I love. So, it. I don't know. We gotta I, come I up with better names because it's sexier. We're gonna geek out more and get deeper in. I really, really, really want to do. And one other thing that I really want to talk to him about, and I know you read this story because yes. Ryan Clark works for ESPN. You do as well, and Ryan Clark's a, a, a good friend of mine wrote an incredible piece on the rise of Russian, Russian goaltenders goals. and everything that's behind that. Kevin has deep, deep thoughts. We've been talking about this for like three years um, and, and the wealth of goalies that are even undiscovered in Russia right now. So I, I would love to talk with him and dive into that. And all of the metrics you talk about, Craig, and in, in that NHL goalies are rated on, there isn't a North American in the top three in any of those. Yeah. It's crazy. They're not all Russians, but they're not North Americans. Is there a reason why? We'll dive into it. Sorry. Yeah. If you want to learn more, you can follow at InGoal Media on Twitter and at Kevin is in goal on Twitter. That's um, his at and InGoal Magazine. Can somebody show me how to do that after? Yeah, I will. <laughs> Thank I you. will teach you. Um, so there's lots of great stuff there. Um, but, you know, like Craig said, he talks to Kevin all the time, which does inform some of the stories he writes. And Craig, you had a great story on mullet magic for diehards on the website. Which continues. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, go phnx.com. So if you want to read that, become a diehard today. Um, Craig does once a week diehard only stories. Most of the stuff is free and unlocked, but there's plenty of reasons to become a diehard, including access to those stories, including access to our Discord, um, and 20% off merchandise, such as this hoodie that I'm wearing, the PHNX hoodie. You got the Southwest Bias tee. We got all of our amazing Suns tees in the PHNX locker, and 20% off on our events. And we have one coming up, I think, next week already. Yep, next week, the PHNX Tea Party at Dobson Ranch, Friday, March 24th. We'll be there for a night of golf, food, drinks, contests, prizes, and more. Hang with the PHNX crew, fellow Suns fans, and diehards as we watch the Suns battle in the final stretch of the season as they take on the Sacramento Kings. So check the link in the show notes to reserve your spot today. And diehards, check Discord for your exclusive discount link. It was so much fun last time. I've already, you know, a few people in our discord who have uh, got their tickets already so don't miss out it's going to be a blast all right i know we've been going long but i just want to make sure we do read we had two super chats come through um over so i don't want those to get lost so this one came from roaring fork ten dollars and this was earlier in the chat they were talking about the canadian media spin on things so um that is what roaring fork was referring to here when he said mullet arena is embarrassing yet an awesome fan experience or something sincerely Sportsnet. Um, hmm. Yeah, that just about sums about it up. Sums it up, yeah. Roaring Fork. And then Chris um, sent a 550 super chat. Thank you, Chris. Said Veggie or Ingram, who is still in the NHL in four years? Why not both? We'll add that to our list of the um, questions in the goalie roundtable. There yeah. you go. Yeah. I never played without pads that didn't have deer hair in them in my what? life. <laughs> That's that a true story. Wild. Craig, you? I have a deer hair pads. Hmm? In my garage right now, I have deer hair pads. Swear to God. I did not know that was even a thing. Oh, that's a thing. They're incredibly fucking heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 5'10". At the time, I said I was 5'10", 140. Those pads were weighed as much as me. And these guys, we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have plenty of time to talk because tomorrow we oh have my God. a really fun thing going on. We're doing Let's go. our first watch along of the season 
me and Petey, we will be on the mics the entire game tomorrow between the Arizona Coyotes and the Vancouver Canucks. Sean, of course, will make some appearances as well. Maybe Craig. Will what about Rick Doggett from the bench? You going to yeah. get him on? We're trying. We're, we're trying. And also, one thing, guests. Leah doesn't know. I ordered two of these. They're they're on Amazon. Came up on my feet. It's for long road trips when you have to use the bathroom without getting up out of your no. seat. They have a tube and a little. No. So we're both. I ordered two. No. No. Um, so no, have to get up. I get promise, us out of here, Leah. Promise, get us out of here. I promise that will not be a thing, but we hope everybody joins <laughs> us for our watch along. And tonight, you can catch PHNX Sun Devils. They are doing a live watch along for the play in game of yes. the NCAA tournament. So that's tonight. If you've ever been in here, which I'm when sure these most guys, of you haven't, watching a game with them is buddy, electricity. How are you going to film them? They literally run around the studio like 10 year olds, <laughs> like jumping. And I swear to God, they're laying on the floor, screaming. At each other. It's unbelievable. It's like little kids. It's like you're, you're at, the, at the the Boys and Girls Club after. It's those guys. And to see that live, if you're watching ASU tonight, please, 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 if you're watching ASU tonight, get your phone, get your iPad, get your computer, get your laptop, and second screen the ASU Sun Devil show. You will not regret it because it, it is like an experience you cannot believe watching these three young men watch basketball games. It's <laughs> these absolutely three young insane. men. <laughs> it's insane. So I'm not, no, I'm not kidding. Like I, I'm when I found out they were doing this, fire. I'm absolutely jacked right also, now. Also, get ready to turn down your headphones for when they scream. Oh, oh buddy. <laughs> and they, well, how are they going to stay in frame? Those They're three not. young men. They run around and jumping and high fiving and oh. Can't wait. All right. Please do it. So lots of great stuff coming up. Be sure to subscribe to the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell so you never miss when anything goes live, live shows, watch longs, etc. And be sure to follow PHNX Sports across all social platforms. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at SPetersHockey, at Leah Merrill, at Craig S. Morgan, at Sean underscore DePause. Follow the show at PHNX underscore Kiders on Twitter. Thank you again, Kevin Woodley, for your time. Learned so much. Everybody will be back live tomorrow for the watch long and then our post game show. But until then, enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.